0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Monday morning, July the 6th in 2020 on Winter Eyes. We're in year A, proper week 10, and the sixth week after Pentecost. And on Monday mornings we like to go to the Old Testament text for the week. So we're back in the book of Genesis, about halfway through the book in Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 34. We meet a couple of new characters, Jacob and his older brother Esau. So I'll read a passage about their birth. Then I'll provide a couple of points of reflection, then spend some time praying along a theme this morning as we face our day together. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise meet God together in a time of prayer. Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 34. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah's daughter of Bethuel, the Arameen, from Param Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Arameen. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. Babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping at Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter and man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me me have some of that red stew. I am famished. That is why he is also called Edom. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of God for us. of Genesis seeks to answer a few questions, a few of which are, how did we get here, what does it mean for us, and what do we learn along the way? And so what we have here is the birth narratives of Jacob and Esau, and what we find out from the very beginning is that they were born in peculiar circumstances. There was a division between them and between their parents, and this division endured for several generations. The writer of Genesis rightly says that to Esau the older brother became a nation called the Edomites. And if you look at the book of of, uh, Obadiah and other places, Edom and Israel are at each other from the very beginning. And the question is, why does this happen? Like, why are they lived-in enemies with us? And the book of Genesis says, Well, it all started back with a couple uh, boys who were sets of twins. I mean, this thing is interesting. And there's so many things we could say about Jacob and Esau. Um, But one thing I want to tease out is simply this is one of the the governing operating softwares of the Bible is an idea called wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is um, a unique form of knowledge. It's not just knowledge that you pick up during a lecture, but knowledge, sorry, wisdom is something that you pick up along the way. And um, what we see here is that in this very difficult scenario where God is putting this, uh, this family together to embody some promises to rescue the whole world, that just as complicated as Abraham's life was the cascading generations after him were also complicated and so here we have like the tradition of a family unit was that the firstborn among them would have inherited a promise would have been firstborn rights and they would have been the head of the household after their parents passed away but God turns the story upside down instead of Esau being the one who controls the destiny it was Jacob and it was this was made known to his mom. And so here you have Isaac operating on the cards of tradition, where Rebecca is operating on the cards of wisdom and revelation. That God told her something that was completely different than the way that they normally did things, and that she was gonna have to put herself in situations to help this story along. Now we might think that uh you know Esau gets the raw end of the deal here. But at least the way the writer of Genesis tells the story is that actually, even though Jacob's a very complicated character and he makes many mistakes, and there are a few parts of his life that are not admirable, that he is a better selection than Esau. I mean, Esau is a man of the open country, he seems to care less about uh, the network of his family, he's out on his own all the time. But here he is in this story selling his birthright, the most prized possession that he could ever possess. He sells it for a bowl of stew. Their literal Hebrew is the red stuff. It wasn't like this is even a good meal. This is just something that you eat in order to tide you over uh, to get to dinner. But notice that earlier in the story, he is known as an expert huntsman in the field. Yet he allows his life to kind of spiral out of control, where even though he's got access to animals out there to feed him, he comes home famished near to the point of death. And in the moment of weakness, he agrees to sell his birthright doesn't take matters into his own hands, but he allows fate to um, put him in this place of, um, of humility where he gives away his birthright. And so ultimately this happens because Rebekah operated with wisdom, whereas Isaac doesn't seem uh, to train his son Esau, the one that he favored over Jacob, in the ways of the Lord in order to prepare him for the days to come. This is a complex story, but I think it highlights what we experience from time to time in our human experience. There are a lot of times tradition serves us well. It absolutely does. And the reason that it endures is because it helps generation after generation along the way. G.K. Chesterton once said that there's not a true vote unless tradition gets to cast a vote as well. And that's totally true. Tradition helps us. uh, Tradition serves as tributaries or as edges of a water bank uh, when a river rushes forward. There are times also, and we see this again and again, it's one of those parts of the narrative of the scripture text, that we have to allow tradition to be put aside for a moment, allow wisdom and revelation that may speak a different, unique word uh, to carry the story forward. And this is one of those cases where Rebecca hears something from God and she says, okay, in this moment, revelation has to supersede tradition. I think that we're in a moment like that right now. Many of us were handed a script. We were handed uh, a way of life. Uh, perhaps we were handed a certain mores of how we think life should go. Uh, but we're in a time of upheaval. Uh, we're in a time of uh, profound transition and change. And I think it's wise for us to consider that maybe there's a word of revelation that would speak into this moment a little more uh, creatively and a little more wisely. It would be more helpful than just the tradition that was handed down to us. Tradition needs to be upended from time to time. It needs to be invigorated from time to time in order for it to serve its redemptive and faithful purpose. And so I'm going to ask the same thing that the Apostle Paul prayed for to the church in Ephesus, that God will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him better. And there might be a situation that's so hard for us to make a decision in our life. We can't go right. We can't go left because there's problems with both. So in that moment, tradition may not serve us completely, but wisdom and revelation might. And so I'm going to pray that God would give us wisdom and revelation for this moment that you and I are clinging to Him in order to lead us forward. So let's spend some time praying this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you today that you're the living word, that you present yourself to us again and again that your mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, we have to confess that sometimes we take the easy way out. We um, look for usual and typical ways of doing all things. We do thank you for the gift of tradition. We thank you that generation after generation you are faithful. We also know sometimes, God, that you speak a word of wisdom or revelation in order to help us uniquely and creatively in certain moments. God, uh, if one's uh, cling to tradition only, they would not have trusted uh, a prophet from Nazareth. Um, if ones would have trusted in tradition alone, they wouldn't have given space to Saul of Tarsus to be invited into the church. So we think you that there are given moments uh, where you're doing a new thing, and that new thing leads to the same old faithfulness and fresh new ways and fresh new days. And so God, I pray uh, globally for the, for the church that we would have an ear for tradition. They would also have an ear for wisdom and revelation and that you would speak to us in this unique moment that we would hear the story of our foreparents, those who've gone before us. We would also hear what the Spirit might be doing fresh and new in a day like ours. God, for our own lives, we uh, tend to just look and see what everyone else has done around us and uh, imitate them. And many times this is the proper way to live life. There are other times we're in a complex situation where both ways are good or both ways are not so good. And so we have no way of going forward at times. So I pray for my friends who are perplexed by a rather um, interesting dilemma and issue uh, where they, the path forward does not seem to be clear. But I thank you that you never fail us, that, you, that your sheep hear your voice. And so God, I pray that we'd hear your voice in these complex scenarios and that you give us the word in season to sustain the weary and that we might be able to take the next faithful step trusting in you. So, God be with us. Speak to your church. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.